This is Amateur Logic, episode 68 for July 15th, Field Day 2014. This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by GigaParts.com. Between now and August 31st, 2014, use the promo code ALTV7 for a free gift with any order from GigaParts.com. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM. Get out, get mobile, and get more with ICOM. Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 68. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And we've got Peter on uh, from the woods this time. Yep. And we've got Wayne with us, too. Yeah, it's nice to have uh, an extra face on there and an extra pair of hands to set up. It sure was. You know, the last time we did field day was 2011. And uh, let's see, the next year... When was it? I, I think we built this shack. Yeah, I think uh, I went and spent the the day with uh, JARC out at the park. Yeah, and uh, Wayne showed up here wanting to do field day that year and didn't realize that well, we were building a new studio here and uh, kind of got yeah. he uh, fell for it. Yeah, he <laughs> fell for it. And then the next year I was at NASA and where, where did yeah, you? Yeah, I hung anything? out at JARC again. This time they were over near Bass Pro. Yeah. But this year, we went back out to the woods and did field day for ourselves, and we had a good time, didn't we? Oh, man, it was a blast. I had a great time. It really was. And, uh, y- you know, if you haven't done field day before, go out and do it, whether you set up something yourself or you go with the club. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. Every, every ham needs to experience it. it. You really need to go out sometime and set up yourself and just kind of experience that i think that kind of adds a different dimension to it well it does and you know it kind of gives you uh, an idea of what you might actually need in an emergency yeah absolutely that's what it's all about right that's what it's all about we we basically just recorded uh some of the setup a little bit of the operating and you know what went into our field day this year and i guess uh, should we get on into it yeah let's show them yeah this is where we did field day from this year it's very near where we did it uh three years ago yeah you can almost see it down there in that field yeah right through yeah it sure was the other side of that line of trees back there though yeah in the far distance but here's where we were this year in 1862 my great-great-grandfather joseph k schrock decided it was time for a church in the community that he had founded so he built schrock methodist episcopal church today this is known as schrock united methodist church in the old days, when this was built, there were two doors on the front of the church. Now there's just a single one. The men came in one door, and the women came in the other. And if we look on the inside, you'll see the seating arrangements are similar. You can see the pews are divided right down the middle here, so 
that men would sit on one side and women on the other. And I don't know who sat on which side, but uh, eventually they did away with that custom. And you see there's just a single door here now. There was no electricity when this church was built, of course. And uh, I think that these were probably some kind of uh, gas lamps up above. I'm not sure. The church building itself has seen very little changes over the years. And most of the window panes are still the originals here. You can tell by the defects in the glass. In the early days, the church also served as a schoolhouse before one was built. There's not many people left here in the Srock community. It's out on a dirt road near the Tala madison County line in Mississippi. But the church still meets regularly. And there you go. That's where we set up this year. Now, we didn't operate out of that church, did we? No, we, we roughed it, but it, I, I was sure, really glad that church was there because we did go in there and eat and uh, slept in there. Yeah, their AC, but but now we set the tent up and operated out. Kind of roughed it for that part. Yeah, and speaking of setting the tent up, you uh, you forgot some of the parts, didn't you? Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. <laughs> I actually forgot the tent poles uh, last year. Last year, uh, three years ago, when we put it up, I couldn't get it all back in the same pack, so I put it in two. <laughs> And I actually forgot it had been so long since we used it, and I only grabbed the, the awning piece of it. I, I guess it's a good thing I asked you that morning before we left. I said, hey, I've got a pop-up canopy here. Think I ought to bring that? And you said, yeah, we might. Yeah, it worked out really good because the, the whole awning piece fit right over the frame of yours, and it worked yeah. out really well. Otherwise, I'd have been making an hour drive back home. You would. That went by pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah, it did. We're getting a lot better at this. <laughs> yeah, pretty soon we're going to need about 15 minutes to set up. Yeah. You notice there that uh, we, we didn't do things the way you would think. We laid out the flooring first, and we set everything up knowing exactly where it was going to be before we ever put the tent up. Yeah, that that's just comes from experience, right? Yeah. That actually comes from doing a time lapse of the yeah. teardown and playing it and backwards. Playing it backwards, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow I had a little go uh, moisture came in my GoPro. Uh, if you saw that little fogging at the end, I'm yeah. not sure what happened to that. Yeah, I think yeah. it came in when that storm blew up. It could have because I was charging it at the time. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at at the site, basically where we were during field day this year. Yeah. Let's just take a look around here of kind of where things are going to be. Here's the church, and you can see right over here, sort of to the back left of it we have the tent set up and if we come back around to the front of the church Wayne's antenna is sitting right up there that's that uh, copy of the Outbacker outpost that he built and we showed that on Ham Nation once I understand Wayne has some kind of little problem with his antenna there he's checking it out right now and Tommy is going to be set up behind the church where you see that uh, that tripod sitting right there and the wire antennas 
are going to be set up in the field out here to the side of the church. And we're separating all of these because we don't have filters to really keep them from interfering with each other. And hopefully by separating the antennas and we're all working different bands, it may not be a problem. So that's basically where we were. Uh, everything laid out pretty good. You know, we got those antennas separated. We really didn't have any trouble at all with one station bleeding over to another. Oh, no. It worked out well. We had, uh, I, I, I expected to have a little problem with that, but it just mm -hmm. didn't. We did the year uh, that we did that previously, but not this year, except maybe that one time that I accidentally ended up on 20 meters the same time you were on it. Yeah, that was a little bit of an issue. but uh. <laughs> Yeah, worked out pretty good, though. You know, we said Wayne had a problem with his antenna there, and we're not positive what happened there. There's two possibilities, though. One is he had changed the stud mount at the base of it, Mm -hmm. And the coax, when you screwed it up tight, it didn't pull the inside all the way up. Now, I think we were still making a ground there. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was either that or the fact that he was trying to operate 80 meters, and he had exactly 140 feet of coax run up there. Yeah, that would be my suspicion. That's what I'm thinking happened. We tried it with the analyzer, and it looked perfect on the antenna analyzer, which I wish we would have shown some footage of, but uh, somehow we... We didn't get that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it was it was being, uh, you know, close. Yeah, that's, that's very close to a resonant length right there. Yeah, so that's probably what got us on that one. Well, we operated off the grid. We ran generators, which, you know, we did last time. And really, you know, you get extra points for doing stuff like that, and that really helped our score a lot. So we're going to have to bring those generators every time. Oh, yeah. We wanted to operate off the grid to get the most points, so we're using generator power. And you can see we brought a backup generator, too. We learned that from my last outing. So there were the generators, two of them there. The uh, red one was a Coleman, that's mine, and the yellow one was Wayne's. And his had a whole lot better muffler than mine did. Yeah, mine was conspicuously absent. Yeah. I need to get mine looked at. Uh, it hadn't run right since the last field day. Had <laughs> <laughs> well, you even cranked it since the last field yeah, day? Yeah, a few times. A few times. Yeah, it doesn't run too well. Yeah, well, mine had had kind of uh, played out, too. It wasn't doing very well. Actually, at, at the uh, previous field day we used it, I had to run the choke one notch on to get it to run smooth. Yeah. And it had gotten where recently I had to run it with two notches. And then it just quit running all together, so I took it to a shop there, and they said the carburetor was so bad they couldn't rebuild it. They just put a new carburetor on oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I noticed it, it starts really well. It hadn't run that uh, that good since we've been using it. No, it never has run that good since I had it, because I didn't get it when it was brand new. But it, it ran good this time. So did Wayne's. His, mm -hmm. his did great, too. Yeah, mine's pretty much the same as Wayne's, except mine's red. Yeah. Basically the same machine. You think that's the problem? That's red? Yeah. No, roll tide, man. Red's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about coax a moment ago. Wayne had a lot of coax he had bought at Hamfest over the years. And, you know, I've got a, a megger now that you can use to check cable with. Really, it's going to tell you some stuff about that coax that you can't tell with an SWR meter or other instruments like that. So I brought it out there, and I told Wayne, bring all your coax. And here's a, a little clip of us checking some of that coax. All right, George. 
as requested, I brought all my coax out here. Okay, and as I told you, I brought my magger. All right, let's find out if I wasted my money at a ham fest. Okay, what this thing's going to do is shoot a thousand volts down that cable and see if there's any uh, breakdown resistance between the uh, shield and the center conductor. And that'll tell us a pretty good idea of whether the coax is bad or not. Now, you don't want to touch any of this while you do it. You want to you want to stand clear and you leave the far end open. Don't hook anything to it. We'll just clamp on there the both conductors. And we'll scroll this thing on up to a thousand volts here. Alright, we'll push the button. And there it said overload. And then you saw the voltage die down after that to let you know that you could touch it. Overload. So let's put the timer on. You really should let this run about 10 minutes just to be sure. We're not going to run it that long. Uh, hoping that if it's going to break down, it'll do it sooner than that. But as long as it's on overload here, that means that it can't read any resistance at all. That's bad. That's good. That's good. Because it's measuring from the center to the shield, so there should be no resistance there. If it had been water damaged or something like that, um, you, you might see a, a few mega ohms of resistance there. But uh, we're not seeing any. We'll run it about a minute and then we'll try another cable. Alright, that's a minute. That one looks good. Wait till it dies down. Okay. There's I, I hereby proclaim this an okay coax. It says Tandy on it, so I'm not going to say good. I'll just say okay. Usable. <laughs> Usable. Alright, what have we got here? This is Belden. RG8X. Clear our timer out. Okay, Wayne. This one's Belden. So I'm going to proclaim this good coax. Alright, this is another Tandy. This is a, a RG8 mini foam. Saw it measure some resistance there a couple of times. Well, Wayne, I'm not sure why this one uh, showed a little bit of high resistance to start with uh, and then went to infinite. Um, so I really don't know what to say. I would say this one may be okay, but it wouldn't be the first one I'd grab. And that's a brand new piece bought from the Hamfest. RG8X. OEM USA. Ooh, you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not looking good, and this one looks fairly new. Well, it was bought new and has never been used, so... Is that the bottom of the coax pile there? That's it. Okay. That's what I brought anyway. So that concludes our what do you do with the maker. So that's what you do with the maker, Tommy. Yeah, that's a pretty neat tool, man. It is. You know, they're, they're a little expensive, so I wouldn't recommend that everybody go out and buy one, but... Boy, it'd be nice if somebody in the club had one. And if you know an electrician, 
there's a chance they may have one of those. Yeah, if you have a co-host that has one, that's pretty handy too. That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it really gives you a way to to put some stress on that coax and find out if it's going to break down. Yeah, you know, I should have set uh, pulled mine up there and checked it because mine is actually a, a recycled piece that I took off from my base setup at home, mm-hmm. and uh, it it got wore through on the edge of the roof, and I cut off the bad piece. Yeah, you know, you may have had um, more QSOs if if we had checked that coax. You think checking it would have done it? Yeah, putting that thousand volts down that line would have got it warmed up Dry and ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But it's a good piece of test equipment to have. But like I say, um, everybody doesn't need one. All you need is one buddy that's got one because you're not really going to use it that often. No, no, but when you need it, it's pretty handy, right? It is. It's mighty handy when you need it. Well, you know, Gigaparts is a sponsor of Amateur Logic, and we're proud to have them on board for the second year now. And they've always got some great things going on over there. As a matter of fact, I'll be seeing them before long at the Huntsville Ham Fest. The ICOM IC7200 is the perfect combination of advanced digital features and ease of use. Out of the box, the IC7200's digital filters give you the ability to change filter shape and width without having to buy additional filters. Only ICOM has digital twin passband tuning with dedicated control knobs to easily shift and narrow the IF passband until the interference is gone and you can clearly hear that weak signal. The IC7200 is ruggedly built and compact, perfect for portable operations in the field and also ideal for occupying minimal space in your shack. Only a USB cable is required to connect the IC7200 to a PC instead of a bunch of messy interface cables. Get yours with a unique paint job. IC7200s are now available in Multicam, Digital Camo, Olive Drab, Safety Orange, and even Pink. Only from Gigaparts. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll-free at 866-535-4442, and our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability, and free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on Live Chat for a quick answer. Low prices? Huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts. Between now and August 31st, 2014, use the promo code ALTV7 for a free gift with any order from Gigaparts.com. You know, Mike, uh, our our friend VE3MIC, he posted something on uh, Google Plus and on Facebook looking for pictures of field day setups. Yeah, that was a great idea. I'm glad he thought of doing that. Yeah. And we've got a few here that uh, people sent to us, and just to kind of show us their field day setup, here's the first one right here, and this is uh, of the Barry Amateur Radio Club, station VE3GCB, Kempenfelt Bay, is that how you say that? That's how I say it. Kempenfelt Bay, Barry, Ontario. Mike sent this to us, 
And he says, this looks like a good spot for the vertical. Yeah, right in the poison ivy patch. Right in the poison That's ivy an excellent patch. place. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one from the same club. Yeah, these guys are really roughing it in there, man. Boy, you can tell. You know, it looks like they got a chandelier hanging up overhead there, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, I was trying to tell if that's inside of a travel trailer or something. It, it looks like it might be, uh. but uh, whatever it is, boy, nice accommodation. And here's one from the South Georgia Bay Amateur Radio Club. It's uh, VE3SGB in Wasaka Beach, Ontario. Is that how you say that, Tommy? Yeah, that's how I say that, too. Okay. It's probably not the way they say it up there. <laughs> probably Wasika, not. But. Probably not. <laughs> Dude, where's my boat trailer? Boy, the boat trailer made a nice base for that portable tower, didn't it? It sure did. And we got another <laughs> one here. This comes from uh, Keith Ekstrom, K4KCE, and he was operating 1E on solar power, 20 meters on an inverted V in his backyard. He sent us a few shots there of that. I guess that's the operating position. You can see he's got the pool back there. I wonder if he fell in like yeah, Jim. I don't know. you got to hold your nose to keep when you go under. Yeah. And this is another one here. Here's one right here that uh, came from Tim Smith. Oh, yeah. The largest tower. It's got two uh, G5 RVs tied off at the top of it. It's uh, N0ZES. Or, excuse me, N0ZS, uh, Lake of the Ozarks Amateur Radio Club. Oh, that's beautiful country up there. It is. Looks like he's listening for a call on 20 meters. Yep. And the mills bring the club together, he says, really together, uh, especially when it starts to rain. That tent came in pretty handy. Yeah, they had a nice turnout. Yeah, they did. And here's one more from Tim. He said, everyone needs to do a selfie. Here's one from uh, Paul Lord, WB2JVB. The Norwalk, Connecticut Amateur Radio Club. That says, that's a 65-foot portable tower holding a tri-band beam at Veterans Park on a generator and some solar power. You had an antenna that, that we've seen before. You just didn't feel like fooling with wire this year, did you? No, man, I, I I wanted to go the easy way out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked out pretty well, too. I used my MFJ Big Ear that I showed a few months back when I was out testing my gear to get yeah. ready for field day. I'm going to be using the uh, MFJ Big Ear like I told you in my, a couple months ago in my segment. Got my tools ready to go. Not, <laughs> not quite to that point yet. <laughs> I'm going to guy it off because it's a little bit of a breeze here and I don't want it blowing over thing's really easy to put together. Basically, I've already put the tripod out. It's pretty much a no-brainer. Got one thumb screw to twist, put that on. And the coil comes as a separate piece. setting up for 40 meters which is all the way extended nice antenna there Tommy how did that work out it worked out really well um, the band was kind of weird the first day so I was a little concerned but but uh, 
Sunday morning when I got up, started making contacts. Pretty much everybody that I could hear, I hollered at them. They, they came right back to me. Yeah. It worked good. You should have gone out there and rotated it and and seen if you could get a different set of stations. I didn't even think about that till just then. Well, I thought about turning it some, but there was a building in the way. Oh, true. Yeah, and there some was, trees. Yeah. So I pretty much was stuck with, uh, I think that was probably north-south. North-south, yeah. Well, let's take a look at the antenna that I used. For those who don't know what all the mystery is about, this is it. It's wire and it's coax and it's lateral end. And it comes down to where you just screw your coax on it. Some folks say don't use a ballon here, others say use a ballon. I didn't have a ballon, so it was a pretty easy decision. That works. I can understand that kind of logic. Well, it's time for a little reenactment of the tree trout fishing session we had a few years back. This time we're going to have to use a slingshot since we don't have access to Jim's potato gun. Did you kill it? Yep. Whoa. Right here. Right. If you get hit by that thing, you're going to know it, man. Ask my son. Well, that one got away, but we were able to retrieve our bait. Well, the first one didn't work out too well. It didn't go far enough over the limb to drape down where we could reach it. I think we got a good one. It's kind of like, it's a good thing because it's kind of like Barney Fife. We only got one bullet. <laughs> It's right behind you. It's hanging right there about to your waist. Nice job, Wayne. It takes a lot of skill to hold a fishing rod. That was a good cast. <laughs> <laughs> now tie the fishing string on the end of the nylon cord so we can pull it across and then we can hook the antenna to it and pull one leg of the antenna up. You got your switchblade over there? Mm-hmm. Looks like Wayne's got one. All right, I'm gonna go get the grease hot. I'm right here at the antenna. Well, it's 1.13 and Last year, what time we get on, or three years ago, it was 3 o'clock? 3, 3.30. 3, 3.30. We actually have one station set up now, so one of us could be on the air, and we'll have another one here shortly. Now it's time to hang the other three, side. Three. Bullseye. That went pretty well. Now all we got to do is tie the nylon cord to the fishing line, pull it up, and then suspend the other end of the antenna with it. It's going to get a little bit tricky because we got to deal with some ladder line as well, and it's not quite as high as we would have liked it. At this point, it's all hands on deck. We had more wires to pull and to manipulate than we really had people out there, so I had to leave the camera be. In the end, we had to do some creative 
placement of the coax cable because that mystery antenna has ladder line and it doesn't need to touch the ground so we draped the coax across the limb of a tree so it could come down and draped at an angle. It worked pretty well like that although it's probably not optimal. We got it up there without the potato gun this year. Yeah, the potato, potato gun sure does add the fun, brings the fun factor way on up. Doesn't well, it? it does, and it makes a lot better noise than the slingshot. Yeah, I think I may have to uh, make one of those for next year. There's, I saw some plans for a pneumatic version That's of it. That's the one I think I'd make, yeah. Yeah, except we just got to have an air compressor or something yeah, out but there. No explosives, would that really be as fun? No. Anytime you got fire, add fire to it, that's a plus. That is a plus. You get extra field day points for that, too, don't Do you? Do you? Yeah, I forgot what the multiplier was for that. The I think explosion? It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't take that many shots to get that up with the slingshot. My aim is getting better. Yeah, I think it's uh, the second shot on each one of them. Yeah. It was pretty good. I'd hit the tree the first time, and it would come back at me, but... Yeah, we eventually got it over some limbs there. The little weights you had, you know, I've used lead weights. They weren't with, little. Yeah. I've used lead weights with, with the slingshot before, but you had, I don't know if that was steel or what that was that yeah, you had. Yeah, I think they were steel or something, but uh, they were like little cylinder-looking things. Yeah, it looked kind of like a ball bearing with a hole drill But they shoot it. really well. They shot really well. And, you know, after we shot the last line there, I took it and stuck it in my pocket and forgot about it until the next day. And when I pulled it out, it was rusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that that worked out not bad. Not uh-huh. bad at all. I used those same ones to, to put my antennas up at the house. Yeah. You know what happened the first one we shot? Do you remember that? Yeah, it got hung. No? Before that? Uh, I guess I don't. You didn't have much line on the uh, fishing reel there. (laughs) Oops. Yeah, we shot it, and the line just zipped right out of the end of the reel. I'm going to blame that one on my wife because that was her fishing rod. Yeah. I got a bait casting reel that I use, and that's hers. And uh, I don't think anybody's touched that thing in probably 10 years. Yeah. That really works good, though, when you've got – you need somebody to hold that rod, though, and point it just right. Yeah. No, but – the the miracle of the whole thing is nobody ended up with any bruises from, from the uh, weight and the Boy, slingshot. I almost ended up with a knot on the head. I'm glad I moved. You saw the shot there where it, it fell back down. Uh-huh. You could actually hear the thump. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was standing right there just moments before. So. I, I feel bad, but I actually nailed my son like that one time with that thing. Wow. It, it hit him right there. I'm really lucky it didn't hurt him worse, but it put a bruise on his face. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty heavy little weight. Uh, they say you need to wear safety glasses, I guess, for this type yeah. of thing. And a, and a helmet. And a helmet, yeah. <laughs> Body armor, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we had to have a ground rod, too. We're not even sure if we used a ground rod during last field day. but Yeah, I, I don't think we did. Yeah, at least I don't remember it being as much work as this one right here was. Of course, every station worth doing is worth doing right. We're definitely going to put a ground rod in. The water is because I saw a guy come to my house one time and put a ground rod in with nothing but a Coke bottle full of water in his hand. And he just made a hole, put water in, and watered it around back and forth and up and down until it just dropped all the way down. So I'm going to try my hand at that.
20 minutes and about 8 inches later. It's time to go old school on this. You ready for the next shift? I think that little water you poured down there is really helping it go faster. It is. It's like a lubricant keeping it from getting hot. It didn't keep me from getting hot. I'm glad this wasn't an 8-foot rod. We chose a 4 because we have to pull it up at the end of field day and can't leave it in the yard there. Good possibility. Now to connect the ground strap and to run the ground wires to each of the rigs. <laughs> My back hurts just think, watching that video. Yeah, I think that's probably the most work we did <laughs> during the whole event. It was, well, it was probably the worst. Yeah, maybe that or, or pulling it back out of the ground. Yeah, it it wasn't uh, pulling up wasn't all that bad. Yeah, of course it was only a four foot one and and it rained the night before, so I kind of wallowed it around yeah. and pulled it up with some channel locks. Yeah, pouring that water down in there really helped get make it go fast, didn't Man, it? Man, <laughs> <laughs> I. I still say you can do it the other way. I saw Jack, a friend of mine, do that when he come out and put a ground rod in at the house one time. And he did it. It made it look so easy. He just put the water in and wallered that thing around, man. And by the time he was done, he was going the entire length of the ground rod. And then he just got to the bottom and dropped it and let go of it. Ten seconds or so later, you couldn't pull it out with a tractor. Wow. Well, it's a good but, thing we didn't do that. We didn't have a tractor handy. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we only used a four-foot, too, because we'd have never got an eight-footer out of there. No, I don't think so. And, and that ground there, you know, there was a lot of red clay yeah. in, in that ground. Maybe maybe that was hurting us a little yeah. bit. Yeah, well, that stuff's pretty bad. It's it's hard. Yeah. Well, after all this set up, we finally got on the air, and here's my first cue, so. I'm talking to somebody. You're doing a good job. This is a perfect opportunity to get a shot of operating. With I, actually, I have one contact. This oh. is my first one to Alabama. All right. Yeah. Congratulations. Now i got to move and find somebody else. 3A, we are 2A, Louisiana. What would your call sign again? Over. Uh, this is November 5, India, India, N5, II. 
Juliet Delta X-ray. Juliet Delta X-ray. Uh, uh, W5 uh, Juliet Delta X-ray. Uh, uh, this is N5I, you're 3A, Louisiana, 3A, LA. Uh, QSL, you're 3A, Mississippi. Thanks for the contact. 3A, Mississippi. QSL, QRZ, N5I. You want to watch 5 Papa Alpha with me? You want to watch 5 Papa, question mark. You want to watch 5 Papa, Have you used, uh, have you used Sanger? No. My first contact. And I did a lot of that that weekend. Yeah. How, how'd your little button box work out? Do you use it a lot? Um, no, I really didn't. I tried it a few times, but the bands were just so crowded, man, with, with some pretty big stations. And I was just using that little mystery antenna. Yeah. Just a wire antenna. So I had a decent signal with it, but I wasn't the strongest thing on the band. Uh, just 100 watts and i would find a frequency and i would start using that voice keyer and let me clarify the the uh, ic7000 has a voice keyer already built in it my interface was just remote push buttons to activate it with okay so oh, so the radio's got you get, had some plans on uh, which wires to short yeah. together or whatever to yeah activate it's, in the, those. it's in the manual it just shows you how to do that and um that's that's how I built it. That's actually going to be a segment. I'm not sure when that's going to run. It's probably going to run on Ham Nation, but uh, I'm not positive about that yet. But anyway, yeah, I tried using it, and I, first of all, trying to find an empty frequency was really difficult. Oh, yeah. And I, I found one, and I would start playing it, and, uh, you know, every few seconds I'd play it again and listen, and... Um, I, I got a contact like that, but, you know, as soon as I'd done that for, you know, a minute or so, some other guy would just jump on the frequency and start calling CQ right on top of me. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of gave up on that and just went to hunting other folks and right. making contacts that way. So we're going to be back in just a moment to talk with Peter. We had a little chat with him from out there in the woods. But first, we've got a message here from MFJ about a new product that you might find useful. HF and VHF operation can be affected by noise on the bands, which makes it hard to hear weak stations and adds to your fatigue. A lot of times, the noise is coming from just outside your doorway from the power lines, and power companies are usually willing to help out with these issues, but they may not have the equipment that you need to hunt down which insulator is actually arcing. The MFJ-5008 aids in locating the noise sources generated by corona discharge and arcing components on the power system. The device is an acoustic receiver tuned to the ultrasonic range of 40 kHz, allowing you to hear ultrasonic noise generated by the corona discharge and arcing connections that generate power line static on your radio. It's an 18-inch diameter plastic dish that gives a narrow beam width to pinpoint the noise source to less than 12 inches at 50 feet away. The dish also has a short focal point, making the overall front-to-back depth just 7 inches. And the handle is mounted close to the dish to the center of gravity, making it easier to reduce fatigue on your hand 
from the weight pulling down on the front. Not only can you use the MFJ5008 to find power line noise sources, you can also listen to a wide variety of natural sounds. In the ultrasonic range, you can hear bats, birds, and insects. The MFJ5008 can give you a whole new perspective on the wildlife around you. It can also help locate mechanical noise sources in the ultrasonic range. So go check out the MFJ5008 today at mfjenterprises.com. That's a really interesting little thing. It is. Cool. You, you know, we're going to have to take it out and play with it some more. I actually played with it here in the studio a little bit, and I could tune around over there on the rack and point it, and I could hear different noises from the different pieces of gear. But I spun it around, and I heard something extremely loud in here. And I pointed around. I, I didn't know where it was. I pointed at the door, and it got louder. And I walked over to the door, and it really got loud. And I knew it wasn't the door, so I figured it must be a reflection. I turned it around and started narrowing it down, and it ended up being the power transformer for my Roku. Oh, wow. So it's reflecting off the door. It's reflecting. It was reflecting the off the door, but it is the loudest thing in the shack here. Wow. I, I played with it and looked through the holes. And I, actually, I just had it at the house, and I just swept, swept around to see if I could find anything. And I heard something, and, and I zoomed in on it and looked through the holes. And, and it is it's pretty accurate mm -hmm. uh, in, in the 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 cone or whatever where it pinpoints the sound it, it's, it's pretty small because i i found an air conditioner that was generating some noise and you could get right on it and hear it yeah. and you move off just a tad and it went away pretty neat device we'll have to play with that a little more yeah. may do a segment on that yeah it's kind of fun you should i mean i heard cricket with it and i i didn't know it was a cricket i didn't know it sounded like that but oh uh, yeah yeah it was pretty wild. I, I thought I had a wire running the ground down there or something, and I'd locate, and it was really noisy, and I could walk up close, and it would go away. Then I could back uh, up, and it would start again. Because yeah, cricket yeah. stopped, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, we had a little chat with Peter because we wanted him in on this episode, and he's been working on something new there. But, you know, Peter, he kind of knows what field day is, but... Yeah, it's something different down there than it is here. Yeah, apparently they don't participate. There's something, some field day type thing, and I think it has the guy's name. John uh, I Morrill, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but apparently it's not very uh, participated in. Or or at least not by Peter. At least not by Peter. <laughs> hi, Peter. Uh, hi, guys. How's the uh, field day going over there in the U.S.? It's going pretty good. It's not quite as hot as it was last time we did this. Well, that's because we just got a bath. <laughs> yeah, it rains. Down here, I'm sitting with my feet in front of the heater. It is terribly, terribly cold, and we've got hail and rain outside, so it's quite a contrast. Well, we had the rain, but we didn't have the hail. Thank goodness. Yeah, you notice our lovely screaming canopy here. We've got tarps uh, for sidewalks here because we had a thunderstorm a little earlier, and, uh, you know, it, things got... They didn't get too wet, but they were going to. Yeah. Just just out of interest, your tent. Um, what's the uh, the structure made of? Is it plastic or metal? Um, the framing's metal. The the uh, the tent. The fabric is uh, it's not fabric. It's actually kind of plastic uh, with some kind of a mesh 
like a fiberglass mesh kind of inside of it. I know it's more the metal I'm interested in. Uh, just bring the antenna tuner and load it up. Possible. It's got uh, plastic joints in it though, so I'm not sure what the wavelength would be. <laughs> We'll measure and calculate. So, uh, yeah, we've been having a pretty good time. We we got set up. We worked as last time we did this. We were two hours late getting started. Uh, as as far as we were right on schedule. We were right on schedule. Yeah, based on that. But uh, we we've got three antennas up right now. I've got a uh, mystery antenna. It's it's sort of about the length of an 80 meter dipole, but it's made out of wire and coax and ladder line. And uh, Wayne has an 80 meter off center foot dipole set up over here. And Tommy, tell yeah. them what you use. Yeah, I'm using the MFJ Bigger you saw in my segment a couple months back. With the one I took out to the park and set up. All right, and uh, like, where have you guys been able to work to? Are you working at European stations or overseas? Oh, no, no. It's mostly been, uh, I'm just looking at the map over here. The eastern U.S. is, is all I've got so far logged. Uh, I've just been working 40 meter uh, SSB, and uh, Tommy's been working uh, 20 meters over here. Well, I've been attempting to work it. I yeah. had some issues. We, uh, we, we've got three antennas that work great on uh, 40 meters, and so I had to redo mine for 20 meters and I actually just recently got that done after you know with the rainstorm and it came through and everything so kind of getting geared back up again yeah well just take care though because uh, with thunderstorms around the last thing you want to do is get zapped well that's true that is that is absolutely the last thing I yeah want to do. we did disconnect the coaxes when it started uh approaching earlier and uh we we really didn't like it right here by us. We saw it coming, though. It, it was educational when the storm came through, though. We did learn that the ICOM IC7200 are kind of semi-water resistant. Yeah. All right, and I, I, I remember um, on the Facebook page, uh, the guy, somebody chimed in and said that uh, you've got to be aware of some uh, rot garrow or something, some beast that lives in the woods. Uh, I saw that, but I didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, I looked it up. It's some kind of mythical creature that lives, at, well, supposedly mythical creature that lives in the, uh, in the back blocks of the woods in the south. So uh, something to be aware of, <laughs> wary of. Yeah, I know there's there's coyotes out there, and uh, we're waiting until it gets dark. We've got our paper bags and sticks. We're going to go on a snipe hunt. What about uh, mos- what about mosquitoes? Many mosquitoes or flies over there? Man, we had a, we had a whole tent full of uh, horse flies <laughs> and uh, wasps and bees and everything else. So. Uh, we finally got those kind of shoes out of here, and we've got some citronella candles and things we're going to try to keep them yeah. used with. But no real mosquito problems yet. I sprayed off with off, but I haven't been bit any yet. I don't think the other guys have either. No, I've been staying red close bugs. enough by George. Uh, Wayne said red bugs. Chiggers. Oh, yeah, well, down here at uh, in summer at uh, dusk, you'll... Uh, if you're out uh, out in the woods or whatever, you'll uh, you'll certainly get bitten by mosquitoes. Yeah, well, you will here too, and I don't know if we've just been lucky. Yeah, they were they're out there. They just haven't made it here yet. I had a few. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, we, we've been having a good time. We need to get on the air and do some more contacts here and see if we can get our numbers up better than the last time we did this. We won't, I mean, we won't even place in the running as far as the number of contacts people make. But, you know, we're roughing a little bit. We're on generator power. Although we are right next door to an old church out here in the country on a gravel road, um, we're not we're not using electricity or anything from it. That's going to be our uh, our restrooms and our sleeping quarters and the cafeteria. And the cafeteria. But we're doing all our uh, radio work outdoors here in the camp. Oh well, that's good. Um, are you doing any digital modes at all? Yeah, I've got the SK-31 set up right behind me here. He's uh, using the ICOM IC-7200, and he's using the USB output on it to get the audio over into the network. Yeah, I run an FLDG on my network over here. Just out of interest, how does the ICOM IC-7200 does uh, work with... uh, Well, let me explain this. You're going to have lots of static crashes because of lightning and the like, um, does the DSP uh, feature on on the uh, the rig actually help with that? Um, you were telling me the DSP was a lot better than what you. Well, have been well, using. Like I usually my, my rig. This this isn't mine. We're just kind of using it for field day. But I use an A fifty seven D, and uh, the DSP on this one is just light years ahead of the A fifty seven D. Sometimes you know after a while I get sort of tired of listening to HF, so I don't get on that much at home. But uh, this one's actually pretty pleasant to listen to. Yeah, I would say that's a big difference between this rig and the, the other one Tommy's using. I've got one of those, too, that's uh, one of my backup radios now. But this is much more comfortable to listen to for a long period of time. Um, as far as DSP, yeah, it, it really helps cut the noise. You know, none of it really does a great job with lightning. I've got the IC7700 at home, and, you know, lightning still... I don't, I don't see how you could ever get rid of that. Now, uh, I have a theory, though, on a way to get rid of it, but I'm not telling anybody. To move to Arizona? No. I got another theory, and somebody's done something similar, but not the exact thing yet. But uh, we're we're going to try it one day if we, be, we can figure out how. But uh, You'll be pretty famous if it doesn't work. Yeah. So he's using the 7200. I'm using the IC7000 over here, and I've just been working sideband with it. We've got our laptop set up. We're using the squirrel logger to log our contacts with. Wayne has a Yezu 897 over there, and he's got it set up on, it looks like he's listening to AM radio right now. He's trying to sleep. <laughs> because this is kind of off his sleep schedule. He's been working nights this week. But he's going to be working some 80 meters of that, probably some 40 meters. And... You know, Tommy and I are just running off uh, switching power supplies here. <coughs> Excuse me. Wayne actually has a lead-acid battery over there and a charger. So if the generator went down, he'd be the only one who was no, still on there. No, he won't. I'll go oh, out won't. there and get my solar power, my my solar panel, and my battery out of my vehicle. That's I, I didn't get it out earlier because it kind of clouded up and we were late. But I yeah. plan on digging it out and running off of it. So I may run most of tomorrow. Yeah. Depending on how the weather is. Well, I'm, we we've got a, a little. Uh, UPS down here we've got the computers plugged into. I couldn't have plugged my radio in there and uh, probably run about three minutes maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> now on to the most important thing. What have you guys got for food? I've got ham sandwiches. What do you got, Tommy? 
turkey sandwiches. Yeah. Peanut Wayne, butter and jelly. Wayne's got peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So we've got all the food groups covered. Yeah. Do you guys do anything similar to what we do down, or at least uh, has been done down in uh, New Zealand, where they dig a big, big pit and smoke uh, some meat in it? Uh, do you do anything like that in uh, Mississippi? Oh, yeah, we do. We're, we're not doing it here. We're kind of sitting on the edge of the graveyard. We didn't feel like digging would be a good idea. Yeah. Actually, if you're on the edge of a graveyard, it um, could get very interesting when it gets dark. Yeah. This is a 150-year-old church that we're at, so it's um, been it's, here a long time. Yeah, it, it's really amazing. Uh, it, it's like going back in time when you walk through the sanctuary in there and look. Yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, sure. Are you guys near a town or, uh, um, you know, is, is it like... Or you're right out in the woods? Yeah, it used to be a community uh, that my great-great-grandfather founded over 150 years ago. And, uh, you know, it was a little more active back then. Now there's not as many people live around here. Really, the, the church is the only thing that's here. There's a few houses in the area. My brother actually lives about a half mile down the road here. But this is a gravel road, um, basically kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And we chose it because we can get out and, uh, to ourselves and... Uh, hopefully noise is not such a big problem back here because there's just not that much. So uh, uh, do many amateurs in in and around Jackson get out for field day? Yeah, I would say quite a few. Yeah, most of them go with the clubs, and like the clubs are set up in town. One of them's in a hospital parking lot. Another one is in a field next to the Bass Pro Shop here. Yeah. And they're, they're going for visibility, trying to spread the word about amateur radio. We went right the opposite. We went undercover. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're doing a good job. They get a lot of people come in that they're able to, to introduce the ham radio from there. That's good stuff they're doing. Yeah. And uh, are you bringing any home-built equipment with you? Uh, antennas. Uh, antennas. Oh, no, rigs. No, we didn't bring any home-built rigs, but I understand you've been working on something down there. Well, I've, um, I've actually been working on this, and uh, I don't know if you can, guys can see this on Skype, but uh, it's finished now. It's the KNQ7A 40-metre uh, single sideband SSB transceiver. And... Uh, yeah, it uh, took me a couple of weeks to, to make, and there was a bit of testing and whatnot, but it works really, really well. Puts out about 8 watts of power, and, you know, for something like field day, this would be a lot of fun because you can take it out in the woods. It's not very heavy. Um, uh, you just need an external battery of some kind. And, uh, you know, the the microphone that you, you buy with it, this uh, little fake, um, or possibly fake, uh, uh, ICOM uh, HM36, I think, uh, although it's unbranded, uh, actually functions as a speaker mic as well. So you can actually uh, hear through the, the microphone. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't uh, recommend it for a, a total beginner, but uh, it's a fairly well-set-out kit, and uh, uh, it works really, really well. Oh, cool. Uh, you actually have used it now? I, um, I've only had one contact so far. Conditions down here in Melbourne have been uh, rather poor uh, the last uh, few days, but I did work into a portable station doing SOTA, which is summits on the air. That's where people go up mountain topping uh, with portable equipment. 
and uh, this chap was in New South Wales, so that's a distance of probably 400 to 500 miles, and I got a 5 by 4 report with it, which uh, I was very pleased about. So it works, and uh, as I say, it's very light, and the best thing about it, I built it myself, and uh, that's, uh, it's, it gives you a lot of satisfaction to be able to say that. Well, we're sitting above the radio listening right now. Why don't you run out there and fire it up real quick, and let's see if we can hear you through the power. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a try. Um, I, with 8 watts, I don't know how well it will do. Yeah, this is probably the, the most crowded day of the year in the U.S. Yeah, no doubt. It, it's impossible to find a clear space in the well, I understand you made a little video here. I, I put a video together to show how it was built and also made a few recommendations on how you could avoid some of the pitfalls of building it because uh, the way they've set out the instructions doesn't always give you the best result. For example, they actually ask you to solder in the power supply transistor and then at a later stage unsolder it. Uh, so that you can slide various things in uh, and drill a hole. So uh, you can avoid that. And so I've given some instructions on on, on how to, what I think, uh, 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 avoid that problem. And also um, uh, some suggestions for improvements for the, the kit makers because uh, there are just a few shortcomings here and there that, that could, where there could be a few Im- improvements made. G'day. It's terrible weather here in Melbourne today. Drizzly, cold, wet, but at least I don't have to mow the lawn, which is a good thing. So what to do? Well, as I like to call it, it's soldering weather. And I've just received in the mail this. It's the, well, already got here, KNQ7A CR Kits kit. It's a transceiver that you can build yourself for either um, 40 metres or 20 metres. And I've chosen the option for 7.080 to 7100. Now, this has cost me about $130. And I've also taken the option of buying a matching microphone. This is actually a a genuine fake uh, HM36 Icom mic. And, uh, of course... um, made in china <laughs> and uh, what uh, uh, that actually uh, plugs into the transceiver uh, once you've got it set up so um, i've never built a transceiver before so let's get started it's time to open the box up let's get started all right mm. small bag of parts bigger bag of parts double-sided circuit board the case itself and this looks like a front panel and we've got a one-page guide here now what I like about this is this double-sided circuit board in the middle case here they've uh, actually got a slot Uh, for the circuit board to slide in. What a great idea. It gets a thumbs up from me. I just want to make you aware that there is one surface mount component included with this kit. Now, it should have an RF or RE marking on the body. 
Now, I'm going to start with the power supply circuit, which is step one. It's only a half dozen components, so it shouldn't take me very long. I've now finished soldering the power supply part of the circuit. A couple of little learnings. The holes for these two pins of the 70808 were too small, so I've had to drill them out slightly. Be careful with that because the circuit traces can easily lift. The third pin is soldered direct onto the circuit board. The electrolytic makes sure it's around the right way. The negative stripe down to negative as marked on the circuit board. Similarly, the diode has to go around the right way. There's a stripe at the top here. Make sure that the stripe comes down to this pin. Now, to test this, I've got to apply 12 volts power to here. So we'll turn that on. Hmm, no smoke. That's a good start. And then taking the ground here and across to this pin here, I should have 8 volts which is which I've got exactly. So I can confidently say that stage one of this circuit is a success. Well, I've run into a few problems with step two. I've found that when I plug the audio amplifier IC into its socket, the 7808 is heating up very, very badly. Uh, somewhere when I was doing testing here, I think I've shorted out the IC. Now I went back and I checked over my work and I found that I did actually put in the wrong resistor here. I had thought it was 10 ohms, uh, but when I looked very, very carefully at the board, the K was just hidden, so it's actually a 10 kilo ohm resistor. I've now replaced that, so that's fine. I'm just waiting on a replacement audio amplifier IC to come from Singapore. So in the meantime, I'm going to move on to step three. I've now finished part three of the circuit, or stage three of the circuit, and it's time for testing. Now I've just applied some power here, and the 7808 isn't heating up, and I'm not seeing any smoke from around here, which is all good. The first thing I need to do is to short the ground rail here over to the push-to-torque connector just here. Now I've got a little wire that can do that, and... If I do so, this relay should activate. Yep, you can hear the relay activating it when I short the pins. So that part of the circuit is working okay. The only other thing I need to check is this crystal, this little oscillator here on 8.4672. Just to turn on my radio, which is tuned to 8.467 or thereabouts. And if I touch this, my figure is acting as an antenna. So this little oscillator is working just fine. So this stage of the circuit is complete and working okay. I've now completed stages 1, 2, 3 and 4 of the circuit, but I still need to test stage 2. Now what I've done is I've pulled the ICs out out of stages 3 and 4 and I've put in my replacement audio amplifier I see in stage 2. To test this, all I need to do is apply power, which I've done, and connect a speaker, uh, I'm using my powered computer speakers, uh, to the connector here. Now what should happen is if I touch pin 5 on this IC here, or this IC socket, I should hear a buzzing noise because I'm injecting noise into the circuit. So let's see what happens. 
So that's working fine. Success. I've now replaced the two ICs from stage 3 and stage 4 of the circuit, and I'm going to test stage 4 of the circuit. I've connected my external speaker uh, to the connector here, and I need to apply some power and make sure that the potentiometer is turned fully clockwise. I now touch pin 6 of this IC, and I should get some noise, which if I turn the potentiometer down, should reduce. So let's see how we go. As you can see, it's working just fine. Time now to test the step 5 circuitry. I've soldered in my crystals and my relays, my capacitors. All I need to do now is to plug in a, an external speaker and some power and go to the uninstalled NE602A and go to pin 5. So from the little notch I count anti-clockwise 5 pins, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And if I touch that pin, I should get a little bit of noise. And I do. So it's looking good. Now here's an interesting instruction. You've got to pick one of the IFT DIY 7-7s, which is one of these things. And if you look inside, you'll see a little tubular capacitor. You've got to use a small slotted screwdriver to press and break the built-in tubular capacitor and remove all the loose fragments. And so you should end up with something like this. As you can see, I've broken the capacitor and then scraped it all out. Time to test stage six. I've got power and an external speaker connected up. And first thing I need to do is touch pin one of this IC down here, and I should hear some noise, which I do, so that's fine. The other thing is I've got an oscillator circuit here with a frequency that is either above or below or about 15.570 megahertz, and this pot will change the frequency. So I've tuned my ICOM IC751 to 15.570, if I use my finger as an external antenna, you can hear the oscillator changing frequency as I change the pot. So everything is working just fine. I've now completed step 7 of the transceiver, and uh, this means that I've done all the receive circuitry. I've had this running and I peaked these two coils in order to maximize the received signal and adjusted the beat frequency oscillator in order to uh, uh, get a nice sounding audio signal and then finally uh, turned this coil right down to maximize the tuning range. So let's see what it sounds like. Well, that audio just sounds uh, pretty good to me.
Yeah, it is. Um, it, uh, uh, I, I really think it would help if there was some kind of frequency uh, dial or something so you know what frequency you're on. That's, that's the one frustration that I have, that I actually need another rig to work out what uh, frequency I'm actually transmitting on. But apart from that, though, it works really, really well. Uh, it could be easily modified to take a key... Uh, but it's uh, it, it's not set up for that. But uh, yeah, it's a, a good little rig, and uh, you know, there's you get a great deal of satisfaction there's in building your own rig. That. Seven watts, that's pretty respectable for a rig. For a PRP, yeah. Uh-huh. A lot of them only one watt. Yeah, yeah. Seven watts. Oh yeah, for sure. It and you know, I think QRP is defined as about five watts or less. So this actually isn't a QRP rig. It's actually uh, a little bit over that. Cool. Well, Peter, I'm going to get back and uh, try to make a few more contacts here, see if I can at least beat Tommy. I know I won't beat anybody else. Okay, you guys have a lot of fun and stay away from the mosquitoes. All right, 7-3, Peter. We'll see you next month. 73s. 73s. Well, it was good to be able to talk with Peter out there. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. A lot better than I would have thought. You know, I didn't have but two bars on the iPhone there that we were using. Yeah, and you kind of had to sit it in the right spot to get those. Yeah, you did, but uh, it held up through the whole thing. Yeah, it's a nice little chat, too. Yeah, nice little chat. We had Peter on the iPad there between us, and he was getting a shot of the ceiling, I think, is yeah. <laughs> all he could see from where it was sitting. But Yeah, I'm sure that was a lot of fun. Yeah. He's seen, seen worse, I'm sure, coming from here. Oh, well, you know it. <laughs> well, we got a little more to wrap up the show, but... First, you know, ICOM makes a lot of great D-Star rigs, and I know you're a big D-Star fan. Oh, yeah, I love D-Star. But they have a lot of nice analog rigs as well. Some great D-Star radios have entered the market in the last year, but let's not forget all the solid analog radios out there. From radios strictly on 2 meters to dual banders with analog capability, ICOM has your complete analog solution. Check out ICOM's compact military rugged 2 meter IC23H mobile. 65 watts of stable output. Oversized tuning dial is easy to use. It's got 4.5 watts of loud audio, 207 memory channels, and multiple scan options. 
Consider the ICV-8000 for your next mobile adventure on 2 meters, 75 watts of output power, a rugged die-cast aluminum chassis, and fast memory scanning with dynamic memory scan. ICOM's new ID5100A is a VHF-UHF dual-pan transceiver with built-in D-Star. It's got a large 5.5-inch touchscreen with software keypad and SD card slot, 50 watts of output on both VHF and UHF, integrated GPS receiver, simultaneous two-receive capability, and an optional UT. T133 Bluetooth unit that supports hands-free communications and an Android app. Looking for rugged, easy-to-use handhelds with plenty of memory channels, loud audio, and long-lasting battery life? The ICV80 and the V80HD is a 2-meter handheld with 5.5 watts of high power. A built-in BTL amplifier helps deliver 750 milliwatts of loud audio, and the HD version includes radio, lithium-ion battery pack, and a rabbit charger for up to 19 hours of operation. The ICT70A HD is a dual-band transceiver for classic operation on 2 meters and 70 centimeters. Like the V80HD, this version includes the radio, lithium-ion battery pack, and the rapid charger for up to 19 hours of operation. It's easy to program with a simple keypad, large backlit alphanumeric display, and it has 700 milliwatts of loud and clear audio. Why not take a look today? Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM's analog ham radio selection. We operated, or, or at least I operated most of field day so i didn't get a chance to do a lot of camera work during you know the actual event itself but i did catch some on saturday night what time is it 10 o'clock well it's 10 p.m central time you can hear the crickets and the generator running and the things are going better now. We are starting to pick up a few more contacts. Uh, we're working uh, 20 meters. Tommy's got PSK going. Wayne has been working some uh, 80 meter single side band. And he's uh, just worked W1AW slash 3. I've been working on 40 meters and just switched over to 15. And 15 seems to be a pretty good band for me on this mystery antenna. So let's go on inside and see what everyone's got to say. So Wayne, what have you been working? Trying to work 80. Trying to work 80? How's 80 doing tonight? It's really noisy for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's really noisy for me too when I listen over there. You got one good contact though, didn't you? managed to get W1AW. Cool. So, uh, what you gonna do next? Let my ears rest for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, if I you're go. on 80, you probably need to. Yeah. They're hurting a little bit, but we'll get there. Yeah. Well, Tommy, give us a report from the digital table over here. Well, the digital table's all digital. We, uh, I finally got everything going here. I got my antenna straightened out. I was having a few issues earlier, and I've been making some uh, contacts on PSP31. Yeah, having a big time over here. This is really your first time to play with PSK31, isn't it? This is my this is my first real contact, other than you the other night when we were setting the radio up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm having a good time with this. I kind of like it. Well, tell us what you're running here. I'm running FL Digi on this little netbook computer. 
and I've got it hooked up using the USB cable to the uh, IC7200 that uh, we got from Ray Ravona. But the, it, it makes it really easy. There's just a few menu settings and, uh, and pretty much on the air with it. It's really easy. The, the worst part is probably setting up the software over here, and it's not that bad. So what other gear you got there? Oh, I got my Astron 30 amp power supply and uh, my MFJ 969 tuner from the house. I went ahead and brought it. But I've got it hooked up to the big ear antenna out there that I used a few months ago in my kind of field day prep trip uh, episode, I mean, segment, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I see you got a candle going over there. Is that for effect? Yeah. No, no, that's, yeah, it's a mood candle. <laughs> a mood candle. <laughs> Improves your mood? Yeah, it does because it helps keep the skeeters away. Yeah. The skeeters are vicious and hungry. So, uh, anyway, I don't know. After they fly through there and smell it, they just kind of crash into the tarps we got hanging on the side. So, I haven't been ate up too bad with them. Yeah. You made the rounds on Wayne and myself, so now it's payback time. So tell us what you've been doing. Well, I've mostly been on 40 meters, and uh, I just switched over a minute ago to 15 meters, and it seems to be open right now, and there's not a lot of people on top of each other, so I've been having a little bit of luck there. Uh, I've got my laptop, of course, running the squirrel logger. I've got this little 30-amp uh, MFJ switching power supply that we've shown you several times, and this is the first time I've really taken one of these out and used it, and it's been working well. I got my little old uh, LDG Z100 auto tuner. I don't think they even make this one anymore. I've got a uh, no-name handy talkie here. I've got my IC7000. I pulled it out of the truck just because I knew it was going to be a great radio for field day, and it has been proven out to be a great one. Uh, I've got my Heil headsets, of course, because we're all sitting in here in this little tent, and uh, they help. I, everybody having headphones helps. Yeah, no doubt. Gordo says don't do the external speaker, right? That's what Gordo says. And, yeah. And I got my little uh, voice keyer box that I built here so that I can just punch it and it'll call CQ for me. I really haven't been able to use that much. Um, I just moved 15. When I was on 40, the bands were so busy, I just couldn't find a frequency to operate on. And I, I tried a few frequencies, but I wasn't really getting any response, and somebody else jumped there and started calling CQ on the same frequency. So I've mostly just been uh, operating by, uh, you know, finding people who are already on and uh, trying to make contact with them, but I may go on uh, 15 meters here, and I might try calling CQ on there a little bit and see what kind of luck I have. But that's uh, that's the setup here, and it's worked well so far. Got a couple other radios out in the truck. I might bring them out tomorrow and play with them a little bit and see how they work. So that's the 10 p.m. report, Tommy. Yeah, that was it. I guess we should explain why the tarps are all up there. Yeah, I don't think we, we mentioned should. that, yeah. but uh, we were operating earlier, and my phone started getting texts that there was a thunderstorm warning, and then the app kept popping up things. And, and then and, we saw the big lightning crash. And then we crash. saw the lightning. <laughs> yeah, so a, a storm blew up really fast, and we had to like act quick and get tarps put up there to keep the gear from getting any wetter than it did.
Yeah, it really didn't get that wet, just your stuff. Yeah, rays. Rays. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we just got a few drops on some stuff. Yeah, there. it wasn't too bad. We got it covered up fast enough. Yeah. And we had a, a roll of paper towels handy there. Put that on your field day list. Yeah. You'll need that. Yeah, you always need those for field day. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit cool out there, wasn't it, after that thunderstorm in the dark? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it uh, almost like somebody turned the air conditioner on. Yeah, it really was. We worked probably till what, midnight? Uh, yeah, about, about that. About that. Uh, I guess we should have kept close track of the time, but it was about that. Yeah, and then we... Uh, we went inside the church and uh, had a siesta. A snore fest, a really. A snore fest. That's what I heard or didn't hear. Yeah, you didn't hear it. You're the only <laughs> wise one that brought earplugs. But I didn't put them in. I must oh, you have didn't? really been tired, yeah. Oh, wow. If I'd yeah. known they weren't in, I'd have probably went over there and found them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we also had our morning report. Wayne, I can see through the tent again. Yeah, it still got hot and muggy. Rain's gone for now. Maybe. Maybe. And the humidity is probably five gazillion percent. But as you can tell, it ain't phased Tommy a bit. So. How are the Q cells going this morning? Yeah. They're there if you go for them. Yeah. So we're not setting the woods on fire with our numbers, but we're having fun and all the stations are working. Yeah, I've only had one say that it was a duplicate so far, so I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, you didn't set up your computer over there to do the logging. I've been doing your logging. Yep, I really didn't expect to be able to get much, but surprise, surprise. Yeah, well, you got that um, that long antenna out there on 40 meters. You ought to be doing pretty decent. Yeah, it seems to be doing all right this morning. There's just so many other folks on there. So how's the contest going this morning, Tommy? It's going good. I made more contact this morning than I did all day yesterday. So you, I see you got the headphones on. You must have got off the of digital. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, it was fun, but I'm starting to see a lot of the same people that I saw on there. So I guess it's a little limited on how many people are participating. But I'm on 20 meters right now, and the band doesn't seem all that great, but. I'm hearing people, and they're not very strong, but every one of them I've heard, I holler at them, they come right back. Wow, that's good. Please copy, 3 Alpha Mississippi. 7-3, good luck in the contest. Hey, I, I see you changed stations, changed you, the radio. Yeah, I did. You know, I was running the 7,000 all day yesterday, and um, I had this old TS-450S. This is, I call it my backup radio, or one of them. And it doesn't hardly ever get any use. And I just did some work on it this past year, so I thought I'd pull it out and run it a little bit. And I can tell the receiver is nowhere near as good as the IC7000 receiver. But I can just barely hear people, and I'm able to work them. So that's, that's why I determined that the receiver is, is not really that good in it because uh, on the 7000, I could hear everything real loud, but you know, it was hard getting to them. So I think here I'm only hearing the really strong stations, and that's why I'm able to get back. I only use those two rigs. I use the 7000 and I use that 450. I had one more rig in the truck I just didn't pull out. Yeah. 
I, I just stuck with the 7200 that time, the, the loaner kind of one we had. Um, I didn't even bring my 857D, although I probably should have brought the extra one I have, give it a little bit of a workout, but kind of enjoyed using something different. Yeah, I should have just stuck with the 7000. It was performing great. That 450, I need to check that thing. Um, you know, it, it was working the last time I tried it, but really, the receiver, there was no comparison. I mean, yeah. it, not nearly uh, as much as I was hearing on the 7000. Yeah, it, uh, it may not be near as sensitive. Yeah. But, you know, we were out in the woods for field day, and, you know, we just like to have a little fun while we're out there. And we try to work uh, the event and, you know, make a lot of contacts and all, but we want to have a little bit of fun, too. So this year I brought my quadcopter. I've had that thing two or three years and only had done about three flights. <laughs> and I decided to bring it out this year at your prompting. Yeah, that was cool. And we play with it just a little bit. Well, this is something new for Amateur Logic. We're going to get an aerial view. I should have brought my helmet. And it's going up and up. Can't see it anymore. There's George Lindbergh, JDX. Well, a slight mishap there. Just a slight one. <laughs> At least you didn't damage the historic church. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't damage the quadcopter either. It flew after that. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was pretty neat. Yeah, we got a lot more footage than that, but the, it was really windy, and the thing was just jerking around pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, the wind was, I, I saw it was kind of making it carry. Yeah. We'll have to do something with that again, though. Yeah, a lot of possibilities with that. Yeah, well, let's, let's do our review of Phil Day. We did it after okay. the last one we did. Yeah. So, Tommy, what do you... Um, what do you think we we did wrong this year? Well, let, actually, let's let's have the good news first. What did we do right this year? I think we brought overall in in the end end. I think we brought really everything we needed, and I think we didn't really bring a lot of extra this time. Like seemed like last time we did that, we just had my last time my truck was just packed full, and and the back of my truck wasn't full this time, and we didn't really do without anything. Yeah. And the back of Jimmy's was full last time, too, uh, I think. Yeah, it was. I brought a little bit of spare stuff, but, but not a whole lot. I think using the Google Doc to plan this in advance helped out. Yeah, that helped out. It's it's nice to have a checklist and kind of think about it, you know, a week or so, two weeks ahead of time, and, and put things down and then check it off as you're getting mm -hmm. things together. And we had done, you know, a similar field day a few years back, and 
so we had a kind of an idea of what we were going to need. You did forget a couple of important things. Though. Yeah, I forgot one thing, which is which is of utmost importance. And I I could have forgot my radio and been better off if I hadn't forgot this. But I forgot my bed. Yeah. So anyway, that that kind of worked out because actually Wayne had an extra one, and I bummed your cot you weren't using. But yeah. otherwise, I'd have been sleeping on the hard floor. Yeah. And you forgot the tent poles, too. Forgot the tent poles, yeah. We mentioned that earlier, but uh, that's, uh, well, it's not a good reason, but we did. Sp- I split them up into two packages last last field day that we used them in, and I forgot about that. Yeah, but other than that, I can't think of anything we were missing. No, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and I, we had makeshifts for that, so we it wasn't, the, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Oh, yeah, nothing to prevent mm-hmm. anything from going on. Um, we had plenty of food, plenty of water. Um, we had an air-conditioned place to eat and sleep. That was a that was a big benefit. Yeah, big. That was huge, man. Uh, I I could handle the heat during the day, but it's really hard to sleep when it's real hot like that. Yeah, and it wasn't it as hot this time as it was three no, years it wasn't. ago. So uh, we kind of lucked out on that. Um, so. What did we do wrong, would you say? Uh, I I don't know. I think we did okay. Um, I, I kind of wish we could have got set up and actually started operating at 1 o'clock, like mm-hmm. 1 o'clock local time, like we should, you know, like, like the rest, everybody else does, or most mm-hmm. everybody else. I, I guess maybe get her a little earlier or check the rules and see if some of that stuff can be set up the evening before. Maybe the tent. I know some things you can't set up ahead of time, but I believe there may be a few things that you can. Yeah, we'll but have to need check to look the, at the rules. rules a little closer yeah. on that and see. Take advantage um, of that if we can. Yeah. I would say antenna-wise, um, I had, a, well, I don't know if you call it a mistake or not, I uh, I brought that mystery antenna that mm-hmm. my friend uh, had built for me and sent me a couple of years ago, and I'd never put it up just because I, I can't hear on the lot. I just mm-hmm. don't have enough room in the way the trees are arranged. I just can't get it up there. So I took it out there, and he had a note inside the box that said, you need to use a four-to-one balloon with this. Oh, yeah. And uh, And I didn't have one, and it was too late to get one. But it ended up working good on 40 meters, on 20 meters, and on 15 meters. And I even made some 10-meter contacts. Mm-hmm. So it was a good antenna. Worked out good, except it just wouldn't tune 80 meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wayne's antenna, of course, we had a problem with it. And we think it was probably the length of coax we were using. But he had a backup. He had an 80-meter off-center-fed dipole. And we strung that up. And I think he probably... Well, he had the best antenna as far as the number of bands he could work without doing anything. Right. Yeah, it worked out pretty good for him after we put the other one up. Mm-hmm. After you guys put it, put it up. Yeah. <laughs> but um, let's see. Anything else wrong? Well, I won't say wrong. I would like to make more contacts. We we had. Um, I think the last event we did, we had around two hundred contacts. This one we had one hundred and thirty eight contacts, but. For total points, we had 721, Yeah, and that's because of the extras. You know, we used a generator, so we got some extra points for that. 
Uh, we were in a public place this year, mm-hmm. so we got some extra points for that. And I submitted our um, results on the website, mm-hmm. so that gave us an extra 50 points there, I believe. Yeah. So total, we had 450 bonus points, and uh, so 721 was our final score. Yeah, I guess that's not too bad. You know, I think I've seen some single, you know, individual operators that had as many or more contacts oh, than yeah. we did for the three. But, you know, we, we go out there. It's not really about getting the points, although I'd like to have some more. We go out there and have a good time to use our gear and and actually share it with the, the viewers that like to watch us watch yeah. our show here. It, so. it takes a good bit of time to record the video, yeah. which, you know, typically you wouldn't be doing and we did play a little bit. We brought out the quadcopter. Oh, oh yeah, you know. played with it, played, and then we tested a coax, and and we stood around and kind of shot the bull a good bit too, which which yeah. is all a big part of it. That is a big part of it. You know, that's kind of we're known for that. Yeah, yeah. bull shooters from way back. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the country, you know, yeah. you just got a perfect opportunity for it too. But uh, a great field day event, I would say. I was real pleased with. Yeah. with how it all came off. It was fun, and it, it really didn't stress us that bad because we had the the cool place we could mm-hmm. sleep, and yeah, weather sort of cooperated. And yeah, the weather was good. Uh, I, I think, maybe, you know, if it works out, maybe we can do it the same place next year. Yeah, yeah, so. I hope so. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our 2014 field day wrap-up here. I know we did. Absolutely. Uh, a great time. And we're looking forward to seeing you all again next month uh, right here. And not sure what we're going to do yet. We We never know until it happens. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll see everyone again next month. Until then, 7-3. Yep, 7-3. Let's take a look here at uh, setting the temp up. Setting the tent up. November 5, Zulu November Oscar. I thought we were all using 5588. There's a massive problem up on this. You're using the wrong call sign. Oops. <laughs> I think using the Google Doc to plan this an event uh, in. <laughs> and now we push the button. Well, and now we push the button. Say it again. And now we push the button. Maybe I should have brought the book. The MFJ 5008 will aid you in locating the Norse sources. Jimmer. Let me do that again. Resistance is futile. That's what they say. Could you hear yourself? Yeah. Okay, you're not supposed to. Do I need to take the headphones off? Maybe.
But I did catch some on Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. Let's, look at, let's look at it. <laughs> you sure did. Yes, yes, I did. 